Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radios. Well, you know what? Today we're doing a double doozy or maybe a triple doozy of music. Uh, it's Music Friday, New Music Friday. And today we're excited to welcome back drummer Bob Holtz to the show. He was on our show about five, I think even over five years ago uh, with his mm. album. Uh, it was called Visions Coast to Coast Connection. And that featured bass legends Stanley Clark and Ralph uh, Armstrong. And he is back today because his new album comes out September 8th through MVD Audio. And it oh. is called Holtz Stathis. It is collaborative. Oh, I love the word collaborative. So welcome mm-hmm. back, Bob. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. It's great to be back on your show. And wow, the time flew pretty quick. Five years, huh? Yeah, I yeah. know. And I think we were actually in Tucson still. Now we're back. We've been on back on the road. Wait a minute, Nick. Now I can't even. I'm not yeah. sure. I think we were in Tucson on our little break from our, you know, nonstop park travels. Um, and now we're on the road again and we have been for three years. When was the pandemic? Like it kind of escaped me. Before that. Yeah. Your album came out before the pandemic, right? Yeah. That when I talked to you was 2018. Winter of 2018. Yeah. And I think right after that, we went back on the road. Yeah. And, and we've been, yeah, 2018, we were back on the road again. Um, so it must have been really close to when we left. I think wow. we left in the summer of 2018 back on the road. And wow, that makes us younger. Wow. <laughs> it <laughs> makes us younger. I think it was 2018. And not tired at all. Yeah. 2018 or 19. I don't know. But, um, anyway, welcome back. Um, where are you right now? Where are you today? I'm in New York State, uh, kind of near Ithaca. Ooh, which is oh. a town in upstate New York, uh, where Cornell University is. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. We went through upstate New York uh, last year this time. We were in Connecticut, and then we went through um, Seneca Falls area near Corning and that area. Um, oh, it's yeah. beautiful. Beautiful. Um, we got scared because I almost got us to New York City, and we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves if we drove right in, yeah, not being scared. prepared. We got scared, but how many people think that New York City is New York? You know what I mean? Like yeah, you think- <laughs> <laughs> they don't realize it's a big state, and there's a lot of lot of other parts of the state that are so different than the city. And yeah, mm, yeah. So this album, collaborative. So this was uh, you and also your producer Rob, right? That you've, I know you've got some covers on there, but wrote this together, right? And put this together. We put it together yeah we both co-produced it and um yeah it took four years to make this record it's we an started awesome out. album God, yeah. the, the quality is amazing oh Sound. thank you yeah so yeah. four years yeah i mean yeah that's right now you've got how many people this is like you've got like your own orchestra going on and i look yeah. at all the names john mclaughlin <laughs> Uh, Daryl Jones, Randy Brecker, Elliot Yamin. Uh, yeah, I remember Elliot from uh, American's Idol, uh, American American Idol. I was going to say American's Most Wanted. I don't think he wants me to say that. Um, but no. you've got a host of people on this. How many people worked on this? I think close to 21 or 22 people. Wow. Musicians, that is. Yeah. Is that another reason why you called it collaborative? Well, no. Um Actually, since I talked to you guys, I, I put two more albums out that, um, I had one come out called Silverthorn, um, 
in 2019. And then in 2021, uh, during the pandemic, I put out a live album uh, called uh, Bob Holtz Live in New York and L.A. And um, so Rob Stathis, who's been the executive producer on most of my releases, uh, we wanted to do something, um, you know, with some vocals on uh, some of the mm. tunes. And um, so that's a little difference over some of the last ones. Um, and uh, we started actually uh, tracking uh, fall of 20. Uh, it was, it was four years ago. It'll be four years in November. And, um, and then COVID hit. So it put a two year delay into the whole project. So that's mm. kind of why the timeline has been a little different for this one. Um, but yeah, a lot of people involved and, um, and Rob actually, um, you know, did some vocal work on this album as well beyond just production. Well, I want people to know it comes out September 8th. Um, it'll be out and you can go to Bob and that's H O L Z. Um, and you've got all kinds, of, we'll have all the links up in the show notes from the podcast. So if you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you're listening, the links will be there where you can pre-order it and get that. Um, and it is an amazing album. And like I was saying, the quality is fin, it's phenomenal. Like to me, it's so important when you have just such clear sound, but it's got depth and not too, you know, it's just the balance is, is like perfect. Like, yeah, the balancing? The, uh, sound engineer, <laughs> uh, Dennis Moody did a very nice job on the oh, yeah. tracking and then the mixing and mastering. And, um, in oh. this one, this will be the first time we're releasing, a a, a vinyl LP as well. So, awesome. uh, available cool. too. Oh, cool. Nice. Is that part of the pre-order package too for people to get uh, the vinyl? Yeah. That, the vinyl will be re- uh, available on Black Friday. Uh, okay, in November. Cool. Yeah. It's a double album, actually, two vinyl records. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. So, and I, I think it's so exciting to see vinyl back. And I'm hoping some of the bigger, you know, I was going to say publishers, but, you know, some of the bigger labels will start doing it so that the prices come down a little bit, you know, for everyone to. For especially for the independent musicians doing it, because vinyl, it, it's I don't know, and I think we're we're ready for you know, sit down, have a glass of wine or a cup of tea or whatever you want, and put the needle on the vinyl and and go on a journey. You know, um, yeah. I think it's an exciting thing, and and in the holidays, it coming out on Black Friday, that's a cool time frame for people to sit back and enjoy and get your friends involved too. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people seem to want to own both the CD and then the vinyl. A lot of folks have turntables now, and it's definitely um, eclipsed the sales of CDs. There's more vinyl being sold now. So wow, that's, really? you know, yeah. And it sounds wow. great. You know, it's really got a nice sound to it. It's a little different. They have to master it slightly different for vinyl than they do for a CD. And, it always—it um, sounds warmer somehow. It—it yeah, it just warmer, friendlier. I don't know why. Yeah, but it does. Well, it came cool. out great, and uh, yeah, so that'll be something uh, that's going to be available here at this oh. fall. 
Exciting. So who is doing the guitar work? Because, you know, even just getting right in the beginning um, of of the album, there's like some Santana vibe. Like it, you've got some, it, you know, there's the smooth jazz and then it's like, no, man, we're going on a journey. We're going on an adventure. Some of the songs <laughs> yeah, take you different places and then you have some percussion. You have that one, I think it's Alex's Dream, um, where it's just this beautiful percussion piece and then it went away. And I'm like, what? No, I wanted to come back, <laughs> but that's good. I love it when you have those moments where like, oh, I was loving that. So um, I love that you're, you know, including, I know you're, you know, obviously a master drummer here, but the percussion, were you doing that percussive piece? No, that was a guy by the name of Alex Acuna that okay. did that. And uh, he plays percussion on, I think, five tunes on the album and, so we used that Alex's dream as kind of an intro to the next song there, World uh World Turned Upside Down. Mm-hmm. And um it seemed to to set it set the stage nice. hmm The album does I think it the way the world is now, I know you said it took four years to put this together, but to hear this kind of music kind of makes you kind of have some hope it has a a vibe of hope and sunshine and warmth and you know did you yeah well yes the tune world turned upside down which we we wrote specifically because we knew john mclaughlin was going to play guitar on it so Mm -hmm. it was in it was right in the middle of the whole uh covid pandemic and um, if you listen to the song, it's exactly what you just said. You really described it well. It has, um, you know, there's p- parts that are kind of melancholy, and then it's uh, contrasted with more hopeful s- sounds. Mm. So, um, mm. yeah, that's right. It yeah. feels good. I like it. I mean, now I was like, you know, we were listening. We, we're, we're right now. We are in the um, Appalachian region of where in the Smoky Mountains. In the Pisgah yeah. National Forest, so cool. And so I was playing it, and it just filled the house. And it's we're in a, yeah. a house mm-hmm. that was um, built by a carpenter. He built the house and the furniture. So we got we're surrounded by wood. I always tell people everybody mm-hmm. loves wood, right? <laughs> anyway, yeah. so like playing the album loud, even I was even on a computer, and it just sounded so good in here. And I was like, yeah, yeah it just it sounded so cheerful. And I was like, oh, this feels good. Like that was my immediate thing, and Nancy is listening uh, to it upstairs too. And we're just like, "Oh yeah, yeah this feels good." Well, that out. says something, you know. When someone hears something for the first time, if they react that way, it it, it makes me feel good to hear that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to be playing a lot of it because I think the world is still wonky, and um, it is a yeah. little upside down. <laughs> I think and it might there's, always there's be a lot of anger and drama <laughs> and political like unrest and just mm-hmm. there's it's just. It, there's a lot of caca out there, and I think music um, helps it a lot. But I, I want to turn it over to Nancy because she was like adamant to be on the show with you and had some questions there, and, and um, okay. I'm going to make sure she gets in on the conversation of this uh, this epic album. And it is epic. I want to say that it's an epic album, and I think people well, who don't know you. jazz are going to be able to sink into it. You know, so yeah, we were trying to trying to make it a little accessible to you know, different types of listeners. So my first question that I've always wondered about, 
is what is in your mind when when like do you <laughs> no when you play a jazz tune do you play it the same way every single time like someone who does classical music and they have the sheet music and it's all like it's either three four time or four four time or whatever and it's very precise now you go to jazz right and mm-hmm. it, do you play it the same way every time the short answer is no. Um, mm. Basically, the melody and uh, the arrangement typically will stay the same, and mm. the chord changes. But you know, there's sections where the solos are, and those uh, are definitely played differently every time. So you know, the improvisational mm. uh, component of jazz is something that uh, you know contrasts the uh, the more uh, you know, written out parts, like you said, classical type stuff. Yeah, because sometimes I think, well, okay, so if you're, especially if you're playing live and you're all doing your own kind of thing in a way, then one person goes and plays something that doesn't quite work, what happens then? Well, they always said that, you know, if somebody makes a mistake, it's the next note played that can save it so yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know cool. we try and support each other if something um it, it, sometimes a mistake can turn out to be a, a really interesting uh you know beginning of something different so the spontaneity uh mm-hmm. you know in jazz you know creating something on the spot is really interesting and yeah. um you know the it seems like uh, the the better the players, the more they're able to pull uh, something out of what we might consider mm-hmm. a mistake and develop it into something really good. Well, when yeah, because there's there's those times when you hit a wrong note, but you can resolve it by going, "Oh, let me just go up a half step," you know, and make yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So when when you're playing like you have all these different people how was this put together? I mean, were you in was it all done, you know, electronically and then putting it together were you guys in the same room and then because you have all these different people doing the different songs, did you all geek out on each other's music to hear each other's style of playing so that when there is that happy accident that it's it's stays happy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, m- making an album like this is a little bit different than uh, recording everything live. What we did was um, initially we went in the studio, myself, the bass player, guitarist, and keyboard, and we put down the basic rhythm tracks, they're called, just the foundation yeah. of the music, if you will. We recorded mm-hmm. all that. And then over time people came in and overdubbed their solos or added the vocals uh so uh no everyone wasn't in the room at the same time um wow you know some albums are that way yeah most studio albums are are, you know there's overdubs involved you know multi-track recording but um you know, I've done, I, like I said, I put out a live album uh, in 2021, you know, which um, had that spontaneity you're, you're kind of hinting at, you know, where um, everybody's really interacting on stage mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, things are 
kind of being created on the spot. But in, in this case, you know, it's a studio album. So we, uh, you know, we, we overdubbed a lot of the uh, solos and the vocals and some of the, the percussion parts afterwards. Wow. And that's oh. a, you know, amazing to me because it's, I always just felt like if everyone's in the room, it'll sound better, but it's not really true. I mean, it, it isn't always true. And cause like when you listen to the album, to me, it sounds very, like I said, balanced and rich. There. Yeah. The dynamics, it's rich. It's a rich album. It's like a really good chocolate cake with <laughs> texture. Dang. Mm-hmm. Now I want a glass of really oh, good red wine. Me happy. Oh, I'm thinking of Pinot Syrah, some chocolate. Okay. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Uh, oh yeah. I'm thinking like black forest gateau. Why? I don't know. Maybe we're in the forest. Um, because then you feel beachy and calypso-y too. You could have a tropical punch, you know, but to me, it just feels really good. And, and that you have texture. And I was, for some weird reason, always thought studio albums didn't have that texture, but you're proving that wrong. They do. They do. Yeah. It's about really fine tuning it. So, I mean, how much do you have to geek out to be able to make that happen? Like really look at every note on that screen of wiggly lines i mean that's yeah. amazing well once the um once the you know the core rhythm tracks are completed then they're given to the soloist who has the you know the privy to uh, spend some time crafting the solo uh and uh oh, so cool. then they can do a few takes and pick out which take they like uh, it does allow for um, the soloist to, you know, really craft something that they're happy with. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's, that's that, kind of you know, cool that they have the actual track so they can really perfect it that way. Yeah. You know, whether right. it's a singer or even like guitar, like you could go in and that's what I'm saying. Some of the guitar parts are just phenomenal. And the, I love that you have vocalists on this too. Elliot's amazing. I mean, I remember him and I was like, I always thought he was great. And it's great to hear him. Yeah, he and I, we did a video. Uh, one of the tunes on the album is a Chicago tune. It's a cover of mm-hmm. Make Me Smile. Mm-hmm. And um, so a year ago, I went out to LA to Sunset Sound Recorders. And oh, yeah. uh, we did a video of that song. It's on YouTube. And um, it's got one of the bass players on the album, uh, Daryl Jones, who um, you know, plays with oh, the Rolling Stones. He's been yeah. with the Stones for 33 years, I think. And then uh, and then the other guys are all in, on the album as well. Stop um, not name-dropping, Bob. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But he's yeah. a phenomenal artist. He is. He really is. No, no, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. But He really yeah. – um, he's – He's out there doing it now pretty steadily. He plays, um, or he sings with Lautizer, which is a, a band out of Los Angeles. Um, they do a lot of jazz festivals. So it's good to see Elliot's, um, you know, really keeping busy. Mm-hmm. He, he's a father, you know, him and his wife have a, have a young kid. So he was kind of sp- staying yeah. a little closer to home while the while the, while the child was growing up but i think Aww. now he's got a little more uh, you know a little more freedom to go out and play and sing well yeah, yeah the other thing i want to bring up like this you know you're going out you you're connecting with people and everything i remember the last interview we were talking about jazz because it did like smooth jazz and stuff like that was kind of taking a little knocking there 
And then yacht music came in between all of this, didn't it? Like, I don't know if the yacht thing mm-hmm. was going on when we talked last time, or was it? And and that's a little different, though. Funny. It's not the same as jazz, but it feels like you because you can listen to me. You could take this album and go on a boat and have a merry time listening and, and just being out in the water. And I'm a big believer of playing music outside. And mm-hmm. so that the music can commune with nature and it's got to be right. the right kind of music. It, it, it's got to be the right music when I'm talking about like for that communal thing. But if you went out on a boat, right, especially one that's just kind of floating and you played this, I think it would be a magical experience. And I think it would go with nature very well. And I think animals and birds and everything will go. Yeah, I kind of get into this. I'm going to like, you know, move my tail feathers because you've got, like yeah. I was saying, all textures and, and vibes and different feels, but it flows. The album flows perfectly. And, but, um, yeah, having, having all of that put together so you could go out. I don't know, man. I'm just feeling now I'm feeling like we need to go on the water. <laughs> I just don't well, want to go on a boat, you know? You, yeah. Vibe. Yeah. There's but jazz, jazz, the jazz thing is in it. That's the thing. It's, I feel like it's coming back in beautiful ways. And this is one of it. But yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, I, I'm glad you said all that. For instance, one song on their Island Sun Love. Um, mm-hmm. And I was kind of trying to do exactly what you just said, uh, trying to put something, a soundscape that would really be nice, uh, you know, by the water or out on a boat. I was, you know, we were thinking that way. And, and wow, I'm glad you said that because uh sounds like we may have achieved the goal. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could put animal, like I'd like to take animal shots, nature shots, and put them to music. Mm. Yeah. Because it, oh, it, it bridges a gap and it makes people feel, I hope, closer to nature so they're not always so scared and they won't ruin nature like when they go out they pick up their trash and stuff yeah yeah (laughs) please pick up after yourselves when you go into nature but i think music is a is a huge part of nature and we kind of sort of separate it like music is for humans and and it has nothing to do with nature but i think it's it's close I would I think, agree to that. Yes, very much so. They yeah. go hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to to take like some a song like your songs and put nature photos to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it I think make a nice really back, cool. Yeah, like a backdrop to the photos. I know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that your music, like the first thing that came to mind to me when I started playing, was like this needs to be in movies. And, um, because yeah. it yeah. has that flow and because it, it allows you to, to create stuff in your mind, which is great. I think we need that. It, so you can go on a, you know, a mental vacation, soulful yeah. vacation when you're listening to it and go, Ooh, I'm in this happy place. That's a, that's why I said it just feels good. You're always like, Oh, right, I dig this, you know, um, would you allow music from this to be in, in movies? In a, in yeah, a, like a, a part of the these licensings that folks do. Yeah, I would, I think it'd be really great. It's like you said, the, the 
the music can conjure up some imagery in, in the listener's mm-hmm. mind, you know, and uh, if you can align it with what, you know, is being presented in the film or video, you know, that can be pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. okay, you've got that out. I, I do. I know listeners are going, okay, he's a drummer. How is he writing an album? So tell everybody about that process of writing the music. Yeah. And and uh, also lyrics too. There's yeah. Oh, so I they seem to come pretty easy for me on on the the way I've written tunes. I had my partner on the album uh is um Bill Steinway. He's a piano player in Los Angeles and he's been involved in all my albums and the the way we write together is I'll, I'll come up with a drum groove you know, and then uh, from that drum groove, I'll come up with an arrangement that I would like the style of the music, and uh, and then I'll record the melody remotely here in New York, and uh, and then he'll put the chords to it, and then we kind of come up with a first draft, if you will, of the of the of the composition. And then uh, over time, we just kind of fine tune it together. Uh, you know, and um, it takes a little time, but it's a very collaborative uh, way to do things. And, uh, you know, we've come up with some interesting kind of songs doing it that way. Um, on this album, there's there's a few tunes on there that I didn't write. Of course, the Chicago tune I had nothing to do with. And uh, right. the, the guitar player that's uh, on most of the tracks is a fellow from San Diego by the name of Dean Brown. Uh, who's been around a long time? He wrote two two songs by himself on the album, and then he co-wrote one song with me. So um, yeah, this this album has a few different uh, angles it's coming at from compositionally. Oh, that's cool, man! I mean, that's interesting. That it starts with a drum beat. I mean, I don't think that happens very much, does it, in songwriting? It's you know? tribal. It's mm-hmm. tribal. It's like, here's yeah, the vibe. So you're setting the vibe by yeah. that. That's it's what tribal. we were trying to do, yeah. Mm, kind of lay the groundwork. Yeah. Huh. So when you're writing, like, how does that, I mean, so you record it, obviously, right? Or you're not, I mean, are you writing notes for that? Or are you recording the, the, the here's my drum part. Now let's move from there. So, I, um. Have you used a drum machine? in many cases just to come up with it, you know, um, and then that drum machine can be utilized as a kind of a click track in the recording session to play along with it. Um, and of course you don't use the drum machine in the final, uh, mix. It's you're playing along with it and, uh, and you just keep the actual acoustic drums. Yeah. That's one way that's common now. That's awesome, though. I mean, it's when you think about it. Oh, it's a time saver. Yeah, I mean, this is this whole thing. We 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 just did a panel discussion on artificial intelligence, and um, yeah, we had two musicians on there, and we were talking about it, and and mm-hmm. someone's like saying, "No, it's a tool," because there's this weird thing that happens with AI that yeah, here it's going to spit out music, but it's like over perfect. It's lost the soul of the song or art piece, you know, because it's over, you know, it's coloring within the lines, basically. 
But these yeah. tools, like when you're talking about drum machines, it's, it's like a great tool to be able to use to get to the final goal, right? Yeah, and, I'll give you a little history. I mean, back, like you mentioned, the Yacht Rock period, you know, back in the 70s and all, and even before that, when an album was made, they used a click track, which is basically a metronome, and everybody hears that in their headphones and play to it, right? And then um, when... When things went from analog to digital recording, you know, back around 1987 is when it started to take off. Okay. Oh. Uh, um, there was, uh, you know, software, uh, packages started to be put together, uh, to, uh, record music digitally. And the one that is probably the most well known is called Pro Tools. Yep. Which is yep. kind of, you know one of the main standard of the industry uh, recording software packages. So with Pro Tools, um, because I, all everything's on a grid, uh, so uh, recording to a click track or a drum machine uh, makes it a lot easier uh if there's any editing that needs to be done or anything like that most people are recording to clicks or drum machines you know that's mm -hmm. nothing new. Mm -hmm. and um so and then once you know you have um you have the drums bass keyboards and rhythm guitar down um on this grid if you will um and it's all you know done to a click mm -hmm. or a drum machine then you have a really accurate um, foundation for the other musicians to layer, you know, their other parts on. Yeah. Wow. So, but is, but doing this clicking, right. And, and having that machine, like to me, that would scare the heck out of me just as, as a singer, because I'd be like, Oh, I'm so used to a drummer being able to like bend and stuff. And then this would make me have to, like be on my toes and be with it. You know what I mean? You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, I mean like you, you know how to do it, but like, do, do, do other musicians kind of look at you like, you know, but then you're dealing with musicians that are at the top caliber, you know, but like, I'm just saying that kind yeah. of like, you've got, you've got to stay. Thing is like a scary thing to me. It's like, holy cow. It's really not, not as hard time. as one might think, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, uh, you're, you know. Once you're in the rhythm, you kind of stick there until something jolts you out of it. Yeah, you know. But you, still. you get in the rhythm. I mean, that's what rhythm's all about. Yeah, I mean, when, when, we, when we go to record, everybody has a chart in front of them with the music written out with the arrangement, and you know, and then the sound engineer will turn on the click. Sometimes it's just maybe. Uh, a little percussion loop, you know, maybe some mm -hmm. shakers with a cowbell or something just to make it a little mm -hmm. more interesting to play to. And then, you know, we just, that, that goes off uh, in the headphones first. And then uh, mm -hmm. you know, they count, we count it in and we just play the chart down as it's written the music, just like any other type of, uh, you know, format. But um, so, and then they, you've just got that click going along with you so that, you know, everybody's playing extremely accurate. No one's slowing down or speeding up. Um, it's not always the way it's done. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the album that, you know, you and I talked about before was done without a click. Um, that Visions Coast to Coast Connection. Yeah. 
Okay. So I've done I've done a couple without using clicks, and then uh, the others, you know, with. It's it's just um, it's just a different feel. Uh, but you know, for a sound engineer, it makes it a whole lot easier. His job to have it everything done, cut to a click, in the mm. post production phase. You know, if he's got to got to go in and, and you know work on something, he and edit it. It's just much easier if it was everyone was on you know on the grid at the same spot. Yeah, uh, that makes I sense. Get it. We get that mm-hmm. from the production standpoint of yes, yeah that we do. I mean, we yeah. have to do it with sound waves of podcasts and video. A lot and of all parallels, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, dang it! And there's just that one inch. You're like, come on, man. <laughs> You know, oh, and people just together. go, oh, no, you could just edit this. And I look at them going, um, like, yeah. you can edit this yourself. Um, well, uh, <laughs> you know, albums are made differently now because uh, back in the day when you had big re- recording companies, record labels that would get an artist and, you know, they just had a huge budget to go into a studio as long as it, they wanted to months on end to make a perfect album like some of the Yacht Rock records super high budget now now it's different now um Mm. you go into the studio you record um you know maybe it's three four takes of of the song and then everything else is taken care of on the back end so you want it you want to play it well uh but if there's you know if there's it's not like you do it a million times until you find the one magic track uh like they used to do you know they could spend, you know, spend a month on one song. It's just financially not feasible anymore for um, artists. So, you know, basically you're going in, maybe recording it three or four times, uh, you know, depending on the budget, of course. And then wow. uh, if there's anything that needs to be worked on with Pro Tools, you have the opportunity to do a lot of different editing. Wow. Well, you've given cool. us a class today. Thank you. It's <laughs> <That's, laughs> yeah. new. It's, it's been going on like that for um, you know, since the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but you know, I think it's interesting for us as listeners to understand how much goes behind an album. You know, we just listen. Yeah, to it in and the then now, listen, um, yeah, you know, some of the new stuff that's coming out now is um, there's a a. a program called dolby uh atmosphere it's called mm-hmm. or atmos mm-hmm. it's a sur- surround sound uh yeah type of thing. yeah we we did an interview about that actually we were in mm-hmm. a cinema uh the galaxy theater in tulare mm-hmm. california outside sequoia national park and we <laughs> cover that funny. area all the time and we were on our way up there it was about a year and a half ago um going up and um, went to go hang out with the giant sequoia trees and everything. And, you know, we love that area. And Tulare, I mean, these are all agricultural communities in the foothills of, of where you can go see these giant wonders, the big, the world's largest uh, tree and largest entity, I think, you know, by volume. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we're out there and we go to the Galaxy Theater and we've been there a couple of times. And the first time they had a thing where you go and sit in the seat and it shakes you around a little bit and the sounds loud and good. Yeah, and you're like, so Ooh, funny. a little bit of vibration in the seat ain't bad. This is kind of fun. It's like a massage chair. This is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we watched a race car movie. I remember, and it was like moving us around. Mm-hmm. We're like, Ooh, all right, this feels kind of fun. Well, now yep. this is exactly what you're talking about that Adobe Atmos thing. And that's what they were talking about how 
movies and sound have to go hand in hand and the furniture has to go with it. So the chairs, yeah. <laughs> you're hearing it and feeling it, not just mm-hmm. hearing it, right? You're, and so they're not jerking you as around as much, which was fun, but it is, um, like if a, you know, a race car driver gets out, you hear the zipper move of his jacket kind of thing. Wow. And, and, and yet you're going to feel it like you're in it. So they're basically with this sound, this Atmos thing, it's about sound being completely sur- the surround sound you're saying, but you're feeling it as a viewer and listener. And mm-hmm. so they're pushing it all that way because if you record it that way, as I believe and remember, then like if you're working with that and recording that way, you've got like you were saying that you've got to record for like streaming for CD and uh, vinyl. I think if you record it in that way, then they can say, oh, we want this in the movie and it's ready. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. So, I think it's going that way and it's a whole, the surround sound thing is because awesome. people also, you've got to think everyone in homes, you know, we travel the country and since COVID we started pet sitting, you know, it's not a money thing. Everyone just it's through trusted house sitters. If you have dogs, cats, donkeys, tortoises, guinea pigs, bunnies, check it out. Trustedhousesitters.com. It's very cool. Um, so we get to be in like where we are up in the Appalachian mountains. We hang out with dogs and, go walking in the forest and all this cool stuff. Um, They're happy. They're traveling and we're here and doing the interview with you because we have internet. And it, what's amazing is when you go in all these homes across America, we're seeing how people live and that's not Mm -hmm. what we're there to do. We're not spies, but people, especially during COVID jacked up their house to have maximum entertainment and happiness. So surround Mm. sound is in every pretty much if they're music lovers or movie lovers. So I think that's the other part of that puzzle is the surround sound needs to happen in a house. Like if you go sit down at a TV, right, they have a whole remote control just for the speakers for surround sound now. And yeah, I don't ask me to use it. I don't know how to do it, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to use TVs anymore. You, you feel like you're right in it. Like you could basically close your eyes and still see the movie in your mind. But if you go mm. to the cinema now and like the Galaxy Theater in Tulare, you'll also feel it in the chair where their dynamics of the chair well, yeah, now match you. the music and the sound better than <laughs> what it was before. I don't know how to explain that either, but they do that. But it's so you're having surround like body vibrations too. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much, it was fun. It's, it's sound it. vibrations. And so, I find this very fascinating how we've come because he was actually talking about it being like understanding color. If you Mm -hmm. understand color, you're going to understand sound and vice versa. And I, I, do you guys see, think of that when you're recording? Are you working in color at all? Like in the pools and, and then just in vibes. I know um, I've heard it. uh, Musicians and other interviews mention that, that when they're improvising, you know that uh, sometimes they think in certain colors. It's uh, it's kind of neat, yeah, to try and uh, like say you know you think of the color blue. Well, what can I play? How can I you know how can I play it that conjures up that imagery in the listener's mind? Yeah, something that's uh, you know really 
unique to music, you know, emotions and things like that that can be brought using certain types of chord voicings or, you know, rhythmic patterns. I like how you're writing, though, that it goes from the vibe, the beat, you know? That is Mm -hmm. really, that goes like, that's like, that's foot, like it goes from your feet up. So it's got a a grounding spot, you know? Um, And then what's interesting listening, so not necessarily color, but you've got the grounding spot as a drummer. You're starting it off. You're you're starting all the, the music, right? But while you're the grounding person, you're also letting people free. And then you have to bring them back in. You can't, or sometimes you just let them like, hey, that's it. You're free now. By mm-hmm. you're hurting, you're hurting everybody. Hurting, yeah, yeah hurting, hurting. H e r d, hurting the musicians and the band, and hurting. Especially if you're live, it's the drummer hurts. The drummer and the bass player are going to hurt everybody. It's just it's bringing like, people together. Yeah, and then the audience too. So it's like you've got a double hurting duty. <laughs> yes, indeed, double hurting. Yeah. This is a very weird conversation, isn't it? (laughs) No, I get what you're saying. You know, it's like um, the drums and the bass are kind of like, you know, keeping everybody together uh, in the band. But at the same time, you know, the drummer and the bass player and, you know, the piano and the rhythm guitar are doing the same thing for the listener, you know, because, um, if you don't have that, you know, that foundation really solid, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, the, the things just get too uh, diluted right. and, you know, yeah. you know, people, they can't feel it. They can't tap their toe to it. They can't dance. Yeah, you know? exactly. You have to be able to relate to the music and the rhythm section is always the first place that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Like the heartbeat of it, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's the soul of the music. Is is uh, percussion and the beat, and then okay. So the soloist, whoever it might be, you know, a guitar or a clarinet or whatever, the soloist by voice can do whatever they want Mm -hmm. to a point of they're not messing with the beat. Then go outside of it and come back to it, right? Yeah, the, absolutely. The, yeah, and the and that's like ooh, okay. But the beat is there so that the people listening can still relate, and then they understand all of it. They understand the foundation because they're already feeling it. But then when you listen to the soloist, and you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Unless it goes. Sometimes it goes too far, and then they get lost. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then it's Ooh. like, oh, I didn't get that. And they have to listen to it my three or four or five more times, and then they might get it or never. I don't know. It's personal. You know, that's your personal hearing and what you like and what you don't like. Yes. That's mm-hmm. the unique thing about music, you know. We can yep. all kind of take what we like and leave the rest or whatever. But um yeah, a couple yeah. things on this album that are different too is um one one tune on there, um back to you that Elliot mm-hmm. you mean mm-hmm. we were trying to do something a little bit more um 
on the modern pop side, I guess, a little hip hop uh, blended with jazz. And uh, and that kind of goes in line with what, what you're saying. We just kept a very simple, danceable beat. And there's a, there's a guitar solo where he goes off flailing, you know, and uh, it's like you said, you know, as long as the drums and the bass and everything are really holding it down where people can continue to dance, um, you know, usually things work out pretty good. So that was one 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 new aspect of this album. The other one is a, a tune that uh, the guitar player Dean Brown wrote called Palo Vio. Uh, it's what I would call classical jazz. So uh, mm-hmm. the tune uses a lot of kind of classical kind of derivatives in it that, um, you know, set the stage for the improvisation later. And it really kind of kind of created an interesting vibe. It just has this nice kind of almost chamber music kind of feel, but with the jazz going on at the same time, it's not anything that, that's particularly new. Other artists have done it. But uh, it was the first time for me getting involved in that. And uh, there's a lot of flute on it, played by a guy by the name of Brandon Fields, plays some nice flute on the tune. So we tried to, with this album, mix it up, you know, keep it interesting, different time feels, different, some different styles. And then, yeah. of course, bringing in a cover tune uh, with uh, the uh, Chicago tune, which is kind of, you know, that song was back in the seventies. We, you know, I had a, you know, with a full horn section and, um, that came out really nice. It's just a, something a little bit different on the mm-hmm. record. Yeah. No, it is, it is a phenomenal album. And, um, in closing, um, I do have a weird question for you that popped into my head out of just, it's just, why not? Because <laughs> we're already okay. on that. This is we're already weird question out. day. And now you made me think that Yacht Rock's been going around since I was a kid. Um, so that's like a whole weird thing too. But, um, but it, let, I want to, because this is airing on our National Parks Arts Foundation Day, uh, show. We do it every first Friday is our National Parks Arts Foundation show that we talk about, um, parks and the arts. And, um, you're dedicating this and, and what they do is they have artist residencies in national park units and parks across the country, mm. like Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, uh, Chaco Canyon up in northern New Mexico, Dry Tortugas on your own island in Dry mm. Tortugas National Park and it, on a, you know, Lager so cool. Key. Um, so artists, musicians, songwriters, filmmakers, photographers, ceramicists, textile artists, whatever you do, take a look at this. If you go to nationalparksartsfoundation.org, they're an amazing nonprofit. Um, and some of your pieces may end up within the National Park Service Art Archives, which is a big deal for your resume. It's huge. Um, but it's oh, a whole great. month that you get to go in a park and, and create. It is yeah, incredible. Awesome. Um, so it is, and if you go to the Hawaii Volcanoes one, they have a recording studio yeah. in the art house. It is a six bedroom house and you can even bring your a uh, spouse or loved ones or family with you, which is really wow. unique. Seriously, yes. like this is the best nonprofit on the planet. It um, is. So anyway, awesome. so uh, the show is airing September 1st, kicking off Labor Day weekend. And um, we're going to focus on new music today and um, give a shout out to the national parks. And we're talking about nature early earlier. So I have this new question for our shows now that I'm going to try and see if people can deal with this. Uh-oh. But... 
if you're going to take your new album out, everyone again, it is out now, well, out September 8th. You can pre-order it, right? Hold stat, you say Stathis. I was saying Stathis, right? So it's Stathis? Hold Stathis. Yeah, Stathis is the way he pronounces it. Yeah. Okay. Well, however he wants to pronounce it, it's his name. So Hold Stathis Collaborative, um, is out on September 8th. So you can pre-order it and then look at getting it also on vinyl on Black Friday. But, um, if you were to take this album, right? And you know how they do those, um, time capsules that you put things in. So like the aliens will find them 20 years well, later. Sure, or something? Yeah. Okay. We're not going to do a time capsule. We're going to do a time travel machine because we want it to be able to go in. You want it to get in the hands of someone from the past or the future, right? Ooh. So the mm-hmm. machine is in a park somewhere, anywhere. It could be a national park, state park. It could be your park around the corner from your house. What park would it be in, you know, this time travel machine? And where do you want to go? Forwards, backwards? Like, when do you want it to, like, where do you want it to land? Time frame. Forward, oh boy. And who, who do you want to get the album? Like, do you want to go backwards or forwards? Like, wow. this, is, okay. this, is a, this is a crazy Jeez. question. That it's is a whole a crazy new thing. Question. No, I kind of, I dig this. This is a whole new show. Yeah. <laughs> so I let's start it. with the I car. would say forward uh, into the future, and I would, I really like the um, the Hawaiian uh, volcanoes national park over there on the Big Island. Mm. I've driven by it before. I've been there. Uh, oh, cool. Um, you know, and uh, the third part of it, what what would I want them to get out of it? Is that what you yeah, said? Who, who who do you want to who do you want to get the album? Who's going like, to find Open it? up the time travel machine. Since you, are, do you want an alien or do you want somebody new? Like who do you want to get your album? Like in the future? Are you talking about Elon Musk? No, don't. No. <laughs> I would say um, a young uh, aspiring musician, someone that's you know interested in what happened before what's going on today and then has a vision for going forward so somebody you know that's just getting into the music and might might get some out of it it's gonna be interesting about these things with the time so you're you're doing a time capsule then really so the time it's interesting because what are you going to do like if you don't have cds and vinyl you're going to leave a digital code for spotify like I was thinking about that. What are they going to do about how the arts are all digital now? How I is that know. going to be a piece of paper with code put in something with a battery that'll go dead? Like how you does know, that work? You just look at it and your mind computes it. Oh my God. Ah. Ooh. <laughs> leave a piece of your brain on there. That's it. <laughs> no, you just look at it and your mind goes, Oh, oh you know what's going to happen? You know what, Bob? You're gonna have to leave your drumstick, and whoever picks it up is just gonna lightning bolts will happen. And ah, okay, the magic sticks, yeah, yeah, the magic stick, yes. And then, yeah, boom, they're gonna have all your music downloaded in oh. their heart, soul, and brain, and they're gonna like be all lit up. And and you know, yacht music will never be the same. It's gonna be Bob Holtz is coming through with his buddies on this magic ship because he got the magic stick. Oh, this is cool. This is fun. Go down a lava tube. Oh, yes. Yeah. I like it. That, 
That was a cool okay. trip. What a good way to end a conversation that was already That's fun funny. and interesting. So thank you so much, Bob. It's been a real pleasure having you back on the show. We wish That's you cool. all the best. Um, are you working on new music before you go? That's important. We have to ask. You're going to have a CD release party? Yes, we're playing um, on the 7th, the night before the release. We're playing in Hollywood at a place called the Catalina Jazz Club in Los oh, Angeles. Cool. Cool. Yeah, all, all the guys that are on the record. So that's coming wow. up in a little over two weeks. Wow, wow, that's cool. So everybody in L.A., you know where you want to go. Uh, September 7th, check that out. Again, go to Bob Holtz band.com h-o-l-z bobholzband.com and yep. uh pre-order 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 that always helps musicians like same as authors yeah the pre-order right it yeah helps. you can pre-order on amazon right now get it Do i'm it. telling you you're gonna be tripped out and now. having fun like we are <laughs> so you're gonna want to blast it loud play it out in nature go on on a boat um mm-hmm. yeah i'm on a boat all right, thanks so much. <laughs> oh, thank you. It this is, has been great. Been so really nice fun. to reconnect. You too. Don't, awesome. don't wait five years again, okay? Like, no, I know. Let's make it shorter this time. <laughs> and, and let's not have a pandemic in between either. Right, <laughs> none of that. All right, you take care. Thanks so much, yeah, Thank Bob. you. Okay, bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Oh.